0: everybody, it's Sean Mooney. Welcome to a special episode, I, uh, the first one anyway, as we begin a series here that is uh, going to be a number of podcasts that we are calling Network Classics, uh, all part of the family of primetime with Sean Mooney that you're going to be able to catch uh, weekly. And uh, we are starting in a great place. Our first Network Classic is going to be the very beginning of Saturday night's main event, If we take you back in the wayback machine uh, to May 11th, 1985, that was when the first Saturday night's main event aired on NBC. And it was uh, pretty historic because uh, it had been many decades since uh, wrestling appeared on network television. And this also, you can think of the timing of this, 1985 was when the WWF uh, started to skyrocket. Uh, After the success of WrestleMania 1, which uh, took place on March 31st, 1985. And so this first Saturday Night's Main Event uh, would air on the network on May 11th, 1985. Now, quick background on this, and uh, some of you out there may have uh, done your own research on Saturday Night's Main Event at some time, but Dick Ebersol, who was a network executive and also at one point was uh, one of the producers on Saturday Night Live, he saw the success that was going on with the WWF, and uh, they're uh, they're teaming up with MTV and Rock and Wrestling and Cyndi Lauper being involved and Mr T, and he saw the ratings that they were drawing and thought it could be done, on the network on NBC. So uh, he came up with the idea. He got together with Vince McMahon, and they uh, put this all together to be basically what I guess you'd call vacation relief for Saturday Night Live, which was very popular at the time. And they would fill in when they would go on hiatus. They, they would miss a week and they would have Saturday Night's Main Event. Okay, so that's kind of the background on how this all came together. And as I mentioned, this, uh, this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, number one, uh, episode one, aired May 11th, 1985, but it actually was taped the day before. They used to do this so that they had a little control over what exactly happened, and it didn't go out live, and it gave them a chance to cut segments, trim them, you know, and sweeten it, whatever they had to do, and it was actually taped May 10th, the day before. Uh, it happened in Uniondale, New York, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Uh, there were uh, 8,300 people, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a big success. So uh, before we really get rolling here, though, I, uh, I do want to give credit uh, to the where we got this information, and I will be citing you know the, uh, the, uh, the research on this and the background uh, from wrestlingdVdnetwork.com. So they're going to be one of our sources. I just wanted to give them a shout out uh, because I will be citing some of the information that they put together on this uh, episode of Saturday Night's main event. Um, at the time, of course, the, the heavyweight world champion, the WWF world heavyweight champion was Hulk Hogan, and uh, the WWF tag team champions were the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkoff. Surprising, and I didn't even remember this, who the intercontinental champion was, so I'm not going to say it right now, but uh, if you know who it is, uh, you know, hold on to it, because we'll talk about it in a little bit. He wasn't involved in this show, so... I just thought it'd be kind of fun for you to, to to be thinking about who who it might have been. And I know you guys, you guys are so sharp, you're going to you, you already know it. But um anyway, we begin this this episode with the current WWF Women's Champion at the time, Wendy Richter, and what a story she is. Uh many of you our listeners uh listened to the episode that we had with Wendy and uh got the whole story, uh, at least from her side about what uh, went on when she was with the WWF. These were good times when the, the Saturday Night's Main Event aired because, uh, you know, uh, we like I said, we're coming off WrestleMania one. Uh, she was a big part of the rock and wrestling, and her manager, I guess we'll say, <laughs> she was her manager, was Cindy Lauper, who was a big pop star at the time. And uh, Lou Albano was also involved in uh, all of that, and he was a part of this, this uh, episode. But we begin this, this uh, Saturday Night's Main Event with Cyndi Lauper and Wendy Richter as they uh, do a cold open, as we say, in the business. And what I mean by a cold open, there's no, there's no animation, there's no big uh, open with music and everything. It just comes out straight out to Cyndi Lauper and uh, Wendy Richter. And they're talking about how they are going to uh, you know, be able to defeat, how Wendy's going to be able to defeat the fabulous moolah uh, and keep her belt because the women's uh, championship was on the line in, in this uh, at this event. So uh, what we're going to do here is, and you'll get used to how we do this. We've done it before with watch-alongs. Is you should be all queued up on the, uh, on the network for this episode. And uh, if you're having problems finding it, um, all you have to do is, uh, is go to the network And then uh, you just uh, will find the episode, go to in ring if you can't find it when you search in ring and then go to all shows and you should see uh, SNME. Uh, Whatever you need to do, but just go find Saturday night's main event and you will find that episode, the first episode and it happened. uh, They have the date listed on there as May 11th, 1985. And uh, once you're there, then you will be able to uh, queue it up and from the very beginning, try and get to zero, 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 zero on the on the counter there. And we will uh, count down. I'll count down from three, and then we'll all press play, and then we'll go. Okay. And this is fun because you can uh, stop at any time. You could, if you want to get information or whatever, you can do that because uh, that's where this thing's going to work. And I'm going to have my sound completely down because if I bring it up, it's going to interfere with what you're listening to and if you want to keep your sound up so you can hear what's going on that's all good because all you'll hear is my voice and there'll be times when I just want to step out and just let it play and I will because I know uh, I know this episode very well but uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun doing these I'm really looking forward to it okay so I'm thinking at this point you guys are all queued up all right so here we go I'm gonna count three two one play okay and that's when you hit the button ready here we go. Three, two, one. Play. Okay. So Cindy opens up here, talking about the fabulous Mula, and I'll tell you right now, Wendy Richter does not think there's anything fabulous about fabulous Mula. There's no way in hell. And uh, if you know, if you listen to the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, you know, even though I said that they taped this you pretty much, you know, you had to nail it. So because you weren't getting many shots, it was like live to tape. So now we get to Hulk Hogan and he's there with Mr. T. And this is, uh, you know, one of the great matches that was going to be taking place that night. uh, That uh, Hulk Hogan was going to be putting the uh, WWF world heavyweight championship on the line, taking on cowboy Bob Orton. And uh, Roddy Piper was going to be in, uh, in Bob Orton's corner and, of course, Mr. T in the corner for the Hulkster. And there's that, uh, wow, look at those great effects, huh? Have we come a long way. (laughs) Uh, But back then, this was, uh, you know, this is state-of-the-art. Nikolai Volkov, uh, this is they're giving you a little preview of everybody that's going to be there. JYD, and then uh, Mr. T, of course. And the Hulkster must pose, and boy, does he do it well. All right, that's the open, and here we go. Coming out at this uh, arena uh, at the uh, Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And who do we have on commentary? None other than Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. And uh, you're going to see them here in a second. But look at a pretty good-sized crowd. That's not a real big arena, 8,300 people, but it looked packed, right? And Jesse, no boa that he really would come accustomed to, but there's a, that's a heck of an outfit. He's got pink, and that was back then, boy. You, you had to be uh, <laughs> a real man to wear pink. Uh, now it's very popular. Everybody wears it, but back then, uh, you know, Jesse wanted to stand out. He certainly did. Look at Vince, too. Look at that hair. The young Vince McMahon. Uh, there he is, the Sheik. Yeah, crazy out of his freaking mind, Sheik. But boy, was he a great performer, and that's why they put up with his crap. <laughs> it hadn't gotten that bad at this point, but uh, he was well on his way. He was well on his way. So he comes out, uh, you know, waving the flag and, of course, pissing everybody off. The Iranian flag there. And, you know, the whole thing with uh, hating America. And then you've got the, uh, you know, we, this is when we still could hate Russia and the whole thing, and that was going on. Nikolai Volkov, he was able to continue to carry on that gimmick. And there's Gene Oakland, my man, Gene, Gene Oakland. And there you've got this team that they uh, were calling the uh, U.S. Express. That was uh, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda and Lou Albano with the rubber bands. I always wanted to know how he got those. I don't know if he crazy glued them or what, but... Oh, An interesting look And Gene Gene's got the comb over thing going See look at Look it up there I'm so glad that he gave that up uh, Shortly after that Because it wasn't a good look It wasn't a good look Uh, The only one that works for Is Bill Apter And because It's his gimmick And he loves the fact That people Continue to do To make fun of him with it But uh, I'm glad Gene gave that up And there's Ricky uh, Ricky Steamboat Look at Mike Rotunda Boy Man And there uh, Gene wraps it up here. And we've got to get to ringside. I I love the way Gene, I love the way he throws that. He says, uh, let's go to the ring for the formal introductions. (laughs) And there he is, the fink. Yep, here we go, because Nikolai's got to sing that anthem. Did you ever try and listen to see if he had any words that came out of his mouth that were uh, anything resembling Russian? Uh, no, I think, and people have said he sung it uh, differently every single time. So, but it worked, right? Look at the heat. And there's Freddie Blassie. God, I love Freddie. Now, you guys have heard me tell my Freddie stories uh, over and over again, but I love the man. I, I, I'm glad that uh, the brief period of of my life I got to spend with him. But boy, it was it was just a blast. I only my only regret is that we didn't have more more time together because he was just so much fun to hang out with. All right, here here comes that uh, that team of Ricky Steamboat and the U.S. Express, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, and Lou Albano, of course, leading that uh, troop as they uh, make your, make their way to the ring. And uh, you know, this here we got a six man tag going. This is a great way to start things out. And and remember back then, what was uh, what was happening? Uh, the WWF had just really taken the the world by storm, and and uh, you know. A little bit more than a month prior to that is when Vince had just put everything on the line, literally. If that, uh, if uh, WrestleMania One didn't go over, man, it it was over. It, w- it was done. They wouldn't have. They, we, we wouldn't be. I would not be sitting here describing something called the uh, called Saturday Night's main event if uh, that had not gone well. Uh, maybe they would have lasted another year or something, but, uh, they had, it, it was a tremendous success and they just built from there. So you got Freddie in there with his cane. He's going to exit. Always have those, those, that flashy outfits. It wasn't even, uh, his best stuff there. He was, you know, at ringside. And then of course, George, the animal steel as the legend goes, what he was a math teacher. I don't think he was a math teacher, but he was a teacher. And, uh, you know, uh, he he was a uh, you know very well educated man, but boy, he played this gimmick <laughs> very well with a green tongue and uh, get him out of the ring. Okay, so they, look at the shape though that the the sheik is in here. You're going to get a better shot of him. But look at this, and uh, and you've heard I don't know maybe you've heard the stories about you know his workout regimen. That he had those, uh, they looked like uh, bowling pins, but they had that were really, really heavy, and he could balance those things. And you know that's why he had such unbelievable forearms and the strength that he had. And few people could do what what he did. And it was uh, you know his part of his regimen. So uh, before everything really went south, but the guy was just an incredible physical specimen. And all these guys were in great shape. Well, there's George the Animal Steel, but. But Barry Windham, I mean, look at him—he was a big man. Chic, getting some height there, and the uh, the big uh, big slam there, uh, the arm drag, and and going in with the body slam. Wow! It just keeps after him here, and you got Mike Rotunda coming in. And guys, yeah, you're going to have to give me a break on some of the moves here. It's been a while since I did commentary. I know that was a hip toss. (laughs) Not an arm drag. Okay, takes him down there. And just stays, you know, the arms and the twisting. And, uh, you know, back then you got away with this stuff. Today, people would be saying, what? That wouldn't do anything. But you you could take your time with a lot of these moves back then. And, uh, we know, okay, look at the strategy, the beautiful strategy here. Keep your guy, keep your opponent in your corner. Keep him away from the tag across the ring. Now the body slam drops the elbow. In for the cover. What do you think? No chance. And the, the animal comes in to help, gets shooed away. Gee, he hadn't done a whole lot. Look at uh, the animal worked up a sweat there already. (laughs) And there's a tag. That's a legal tag. Here comes Ricky. Wow. Ooh, that was a chop. Oh, another one. Okay, we're going to get this going. All right, throws him into the ropes. Big knee to the midsection. Abdominal stretch. Who's going to come out on top of this one? Oh. Hip toss, big hip toss by And oh, he's got he's even got one for Nikolai. Well, that wasn't easy. He's a big boy. As they clear the ring. Yeah. Okay. So you got the Sheikh uh, last one out there. You got uh, Nikolai and uh, George the Animal Steel. Yeah. Well, there's a team for you, huh? Bring it, and this was great uh, that they would uh, be, really be able to. They would take commercial breaks in the middle of matches. Now that would uh, that would be something that they would you know be able to do later on uh, when they you know when they had Raw and everything like that. But this was kind of unusual, at least for for the WWF at the time, because they didn't you know they had pay per views and uh, you know it was always they'd have the Wrestling Challenge or Superstars. You know, they'd finished the squash match before they went to commercial. But this, you know, they're going mid-match. Whoa, right off the top rope, right to the chest of the Sheik. And up goes Ricky once again. Comes in for the cover. And, of course, there comes uh, Nikolai as he gets chased out. But I was saying that you know, that was uh, that was all part of the control here that they had, you know, being able to tape it, and they could give cues and go to commercial, and they could have done that in a live situation. But this gave them a lot more, a lot more control. Because when you're live, you're live, and you can't fix it. It's it just goes out. And for a cover, there of course kicks out, not quite ready to go home. And I think, you know, this match went, I don't know, almost seven minutes, leg drop. And and you got to think that they had uh, less than an hour to, uh, as far as what you call real time, you know, as far as that they would uh, uh, program time. Uh, I I think, you know, actually it's about 54 minutes uh, once you took all the commercials out and everything else because it was a 90-minute span. Uh, You know, Saturday Night Live was on for 90 minutes. It was an hour and a half. Oh big roll up here, kicks him out, and uh so it was it was uh they had to play they had to you know play network here and Nikolai tied up in the ropes he's gotta break him up, you know you can't do that that was a good good placement by nikolai <laughs> he gets tossed into the corner. But I really it was it was fun watching this because just looking at these uh, stars uh, and how big they would become, uh, this was new uh, to a lot of these people. They weren't, of course, the WWF had been uh, cresting. They you know they had started to build, but WrestleMania put them on a whole new level of of uh, you know of audience and and uh, popularity, and these guys were on their way now to becoming superstars because like rock stars. It was. Uh, you know, you see what uh, would what happen, like Ricky, and of course, Nikolai Volkov had a tremendous run uh, with the WWF, and of course, the Sheik, and the Sheik could have been, yeah, uh, really, he he could have been such uh, a legendary heel, but uh, just couldn't control uh, his, you know, his vices, and that's, that, you know, would eventually do him in, there's a the big cover there, and what happened, you see that, they just abandoned the poor George, poor George the Animal Steel, so there was a, uh, there was a double cross here uh, on the part of Nikolai Volkov and the Sheik, and of course, what's what's the animal going to do? Yeah, he's he going to because he had those uh, you know razor-like teeth. Uh, not that somebody didn't go over and doctor that uh, turnbuckle before the match, but hey. And then they come in. Oh my God, what what is going on here? They they're attacking, they're attacking poor George the Animal Steel. But what you know. He's a tough guy. You don't realize how crazy he is. And there he lets loose on both of these guys and starts to go after him. And this is what I really found interesting. Now now if you remember back then at, at uh that Lou Albano had been uh George the Animal Steel's uh manager and uh you know, that went south and the but but here he goes in to calm the animal because he knows how to how to do that. But uh there, are these the the sore losers right there, the Sheik, Nikolai, and Freddie Blassie. Now, I really liked what's coming up because uh, I always really enjoyed when we were able to do these interviews when they were right coming right out of the ring and it was on the floor and you're catching them after some heinous act had had taken place. And so, we're going to be coming up on Gene here in a second, and I'm going to let you hear uh, what what he's saying. I'll let you guys. I'll, I'll stop chatting. But uh, as they're on their way out of the ring, of course, Gene is stationed uh, in the area where they come off. There he is. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, what I can't believe what happened. And of course, here they come. And this is Gene, classic Gene. Hey, 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 come here. You know, like... <laughs> like <laughs> and all hell's going to break loose. So here we go. Yeah, of course, they would come out right behind him and George the Animal Steel is not going to let this stand. And it all breaks loose. Oh yeah, and Alba wants to get in it with Freddie. Don't forget, he's got a cane and he knows how to use it, Mister. And of course, is Oh, it's all crazy. It's all going. On. We got well, back to you. <laughs> I love this stuff. And Gene's just disgusted. He can't believe. And now we go to Piper's pit. And uh, you know this was. Uh, this is great. Uh, you, you obviously know that it was a popular segment because um, you know they, they included it in this, and of course it would become really popular. But uh, now we're getting a flashback to uh, uh, WrestleMania, and then, uh, of course, if you remember what happened there, um, it all went south between Roddy and uh, Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful. So he Piper's Pit, he invites him on. Look at how great a shape Orndorff was. Uh, anyway he uh he he brings him in and he's got cow- he's got Cowboy Bob Orton there and he's got the cast. See the cast there? He had uh, uh apparently hurt his arm, right? He had the cast on. So he doesn't trust anything that's going on here. And uh Roddy, you know, of course it's a big setup. He's he's looking for revenge. Now, you know, uh this night uh, he uh, Orton is is uh, slated to take on the WWF heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. And here we go. So he's got to keep getting in his face. Keep goading him. Yeah, he's just going to keep on poking the badger. No, no, come on. We'll sit down. Come on. We'll sit down. And he says, ladies first. (laughs) Ah. That's great stuff. Okay, I'll I'll sit. All right. Okay, I'm sitting. <laughs> Look how close they have them to each other. You know, this is this is definitely within purpose here. This is what was classic. I loved Roddy with this. The the uh, on the edge mental, and he's telling <laughs> he's going stay. Sit. <laughs> well, who doesn't know this is going to go uh, badly soon? Roddy sits back down. He's ready. Come on. Time to be civil. I just want to talk to you. Come on. Just sit. <laughs> okay. Roddy was so in his element then. At this point in time, he had he had uh, he had found that character that and was deep inside it. I'm surprised, you know, they took so long to get to the payoff in this. I mean, you're, you're, we're talking network minutes here, guys. We got to get to stuff. We got to keep things moving. Now they got a, a whole theme coming up here as we uh, will discover though it's uh, you know Mother's Day is is uh is going to be happening soon. So they as we we move on here uh they will bring that element into it and of course there'll be a big payoff at the end. But this this is uh this is between these two guys. It's about to get nasty. As we had a feeling it would. And of course don't forget that that uh that uh awful Cowboy Bob Orton is looming in the, uh, the background there waiting for his chance because at this point it's uh, it's two on one. Just keeps poking the badger. There just keeps poking him. How close are we? Yeah, it's getting close. Oh, uh, there's the push. And guess what? You're going to get to find out what's under the the kilt in this coming up. Big right there. Drops Orton. Then goes after Roddy. Watch. Here we go. You ready for this? There you go. And ooh. Cast the back of the head. Now, I wondered here. Look at there. There's no mats on the outside of that ring. And Orton goes down. Onto that cement, uh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, there's no blood or anything. But man, that that was a little bit of a, a, a fall there. And then, of course, we got Mr. T running to his side, ready to uh, defend him. Now, these guys are all supposed to hate each other. I mean, uh, Orndorff and uh, Mr. T, this isn't uh, supposed to be uh, happening here. You know, they they are sworn enemies at this point. And uh, here we've got, uh, you know, Mr. T coming out to to, uh, protect him. So uh, do you think that might come into play a little later on in this broadcast? Hmm. Let's see. I think it will. All right. Now we've got Gene backstage with the Hulkster. And as I mentioned, Mother's Day is involved in this. So let's see how the Hulkster brings all this together as we start to talk about Mom's Day. You know, Hulkster really, uh, you know, the way his, his promos and the way he did everything, he, this is where he really was, you know, uh, He wasn't near the peak of his fame, but he was certainly well on his way. And uh, there's this man right there, Gene Okerlund, man. The the, the two of them together were gold. I love the part in here where Gene says, I dig it. (laughs) Can you dig it? He says, I dig it. Yeah, he talks about uh, doing this uh, match for his mom, and uh, we got the Mother's Day theme brought in. Okay, back to ringside. So it's a quick transition here because we had Piper's pit. All they basically had to do is get rid of the plaid uh, canvas there and the chairs, and they're ready to move on with this match. And this is going to be for the uh, WWF Heavyweight Championship as the Hulkster takes on Cowboy Bob Orton. Now, uh, from the research on this, this was one of the first times that uh, Real American, the music, played uh, to an arena. Uh, and, um, and then uh, from, if it's correct that it wouldn't uh, air again, they wouldn't play it again for a few months down the road. But this was the first time that people actually were able to hear a Real American. And look at, look at how he was mobbed back then. I was really surprised because all night long, people had a tough time getting through this. They had those barriers really close. And I think that they uh, probably rethought that after that. Because if you remember down the line after that, those, uh, those steel, steel barriers were pushed back a lot farther so that the guys didn't have to go through a sea of arms and people trying to grab them. The Hulkster sends the headband into the crowd. If you see in the background, there was a big scuffle for that thing. Be like, you know, that's easy to grab. And you, you got to imagine there's eight people in that crowd who want that headband. It probably took a while. It's a lot different than a, a foul ball because you get that ball and then just you know put it in your pocket. And they say, hey, come get it. <laughs> but the headband. Anyway, so we're going to able to. So we got the big setup here. We go to our commercial break. Now we're back. And suddenly, Mister T appears. Hey, uh, uh, Mister T was ripped. Didn't quite get the whole T-shirt off. He's got a uh, you know, thing hanging on there. So, but uh, yeah, they didn't. See, he didn't come out with Mister T. Suddenly, he was just in the ring with him. That's the magic of editing, folks. All right. So you got Orton with the cast on, and. Uh, See, you could get away with a physique like that back then. You know, uh, these days, you couldn't. But uh, back then, he was. An, Orton was a big guy, and uh, uh, was a skilled ring tactician. But you didn't have to have, uh, you know, the giant muscles to still uh, be in a situation like this to be able to, you know, be in the ring with Hulk Hogan. And we're going to see pretty much the whole repertoire for repertoire for uh, Hulk Hogan in this match, okay? Saw the punches. And he chases after him. And the big body drop, okay? And we're going to see a body slam. We could see a lot of that. And uh, let's see another one. And I think, yeah, let's, let's let, what do you say we go for one more? There you go. Wear him down. Look at Orton didn't even get a chance to get his chaps off. That's how (laughs) how frantic this match was. Roddy trying to gain control here, regroup. And I love the commentary from Jesse. I really, uh, as I've said before, I I never really liked Vince McMahon's play-by-play, but I really liked... And the Hulkster continues posing as we go to break and they fight for that headband. And what do you know? We come back out of the break... And what do we see? Mr. T, out of nowhere, he's in the ring. The magic of television as they uh, rip off the T-shirts. And look at that. Man, Mr. T's ripped. You know, they shouldn't get that close together, though, because then you realize just how little Mr. T uh, was. Uh, You know, hulks are about 6'7". But Mr. T, uh, you know, maybe, maybe 5'9". I don't know. Maybe if he was... uh, Uh, You know, had a good, uh, good measure there. Uh, You know, that's another reason why uh, they had him work with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky because, because he was uh, pretty much the same size as Sly. You know, they couldn't have people that are, you know, uh, unless of course you like Thunderlips, they wanted him to make him look gigantic. But uh, Mr. T was a, a better matchup because he was shorter. But they wanted uh, the Hulkster to look like a monster in that movie, which he did. And it uh, launched his career. Uh, This thing got underway in a hurry. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton. You know, you got to be careful of that guy because, you know, of course, he's got that uh, nasty cast that he's wearing. We saw uh, him uh, trying to utilize it in Piper's Pit as the Hulkster. Showing off a little strength here, though. The Hulkster, you know, he was the real deal, man. He he, uh, pumped that iron. And uh, look at that. Four body slams in a row there. Orton's had enough, so he slips out. A little consoling from Hot Rod. Mr. T very pleased with what he's seeing. Yeah. Got a little shoulder rub. Come on, big guy, get back in there. You can do this. <laughs> and, of course, the standard uh, 10 count, or I'll just keep counting till you get back in here. Yeah, come on. Come and get your discipline. Come and get your discipline. Who says that? Who said that? Stu, right? Remember? So, uh, Roddy, you know, he's dangerous at ringside there. Orton, starting to deliver a little punishment. Sends the Hulkster hard into that corner. But, you know, those quick reflexes backfires on Orton as uh, Roddy laments. And he sends that shoulder right into the ring post and that's a you know bad arm already, right? So what do you do? You gotta work on it. You worked on you worked the body parts, right? And uh, Roddy getting a little frustrated here. Oh, Hulkster goes uh, goes for the the bite there, and uh, of course Jesse Ventura not happy about that. He doesn't you know a champion gonna cheat. He's so he's so Mister All American and he's cheating. But you know Hulkster was willing to get into the gutter with these guys. He had to do what he had to do right exactly ooh swings the arm uh, uh, over the top rope there and now a little added punishment oh man that cast right into that steel ring post yeah Orton in uh, incredible pain you got to imagine the Hulkster going right after him boot to the chest twisting that arm ooh Big knee right to the chest and throat of Hulk Hogan as he goes down hard. (laughs) Horton, big up, big with the boots. That's where that came from, right? Put the boots to him. And you're going to see, you know, Mr. T is patrolling here along uh, ringside. And... uh, I don't know if you uh, w- were aware of it or, you know, maybe you'd heard stories, but uh, Mr. T confirmed this, that Roddy was not a big fan. Not a big fan of Mr. T. Oof. Drives that knee right into the spine. Goes for the very weak cover and the Hulkster showing off those, uh, the strength of those pythons just launches Orton off. But, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Mr. T confirmed it, that Roddy didn't like him. For some reason, and he really didn't understand why he says, but uh, you're going to see coming up here, and uh, I won't give it away. I let it happen, but uh, you're going to see a little bit of that disdain, and I don't know what it was about. Maybe Roddy uh, didn't, you know, didn't like the fact that uh, he didn't really, uh, you know, pay his dues in in, uh, in wrestling. Uh, maybe it was, you know, the the Hollywood, you know, coming in. I don't know what it was. Maybe he just didn't like him. But uh, Mr. T talked about that. Oh, Orton. Grabs a hair on the sides there and uh, drives the Hulkster into the mat. Let's see. A little John between those two. But Roddy, uh, always the professional. That's why I was a little surprised by what happens coming up. And you'll see it. But Orton keeping up the pressure. There's the Fink, my old pal Howard Finkel. Big shot there to the ear, yeah. Drop that elbow, drives it right into the back of the neck. And cowboy Bob Orton, I mean, he was a, he was a big dude, but also you know old school. I uh, didn't uh, spend a whole lot of time in the gym. Uh, not uh, anywhere near like the Hulkster. And these guys are the uh, the big muscles that, uh, you know, would really take center stage in the WWF. Oh, big rights from the Hulkster. What are we going to see uh, possibly a line? Yes, indeed. And uh, that was an elbow. That wasn't a leg drop. So you know what? It's not over. You know, we get we you know when you see the the leg drop coming, then you know then you know it's up, you know it's it's closing in, but this uh, you know really not a long match. Uh, Horton there in the corner, Hulk's gonna do you know the uh, shots to the forehead, one, two, three, got the crowd I you know going, got well usually you got the count of ten there, but not there. You know, the reverse on that. That's gotta hurt, right? The Hulkster, down and uh, Roddy smells blood sees blood in the water <laughs> yeah this is uh you know as we mentioned uh not too long after uh wrestlemania and uh you know uh, things were certainly climbing and the popularity was growing but man uh look at it here uh, hulkamania just really uh continuing to grow it wasn't it was going to get so much bigger now, I love this part. See, everybody's standing up there. Obviously, there's something happened, some disturbance in the crowd. <laughs> they all uh, are distracted there, probably a fight or something, and uh, that was more interesting, at least for a couple of moments, before Hulk Hogan comes off there, drops the leg, and guess what? Oh, wait a minute. Roddy sneaks a shot in there to the forehead of the Hulkster, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Mr. T comes in. Now, he drives. Well, watch this. This is what I was talking about. Now, look at all these shots, the midsection. Roddy doesn't sell a punch. No sell. Uh, that was a little diss there, folks. As, uh, you know, he could have helped him out a little bit there as uh, Roddy puts the boots to him. And, of course, now we got a two-on-one situation because Mr. T's out of it. Hot Rod Sirius takes the shirt off. And... Uh, now, Mr. T recovering. Okay, so now we're evening things up a little bit, but they're going to get uh, even better here. Guess who shows up? Mr. Orndorf. Mr. Wonderful. Wow. And, uh, you know, there's no blood loss between those guys. at WrestleMania, when that all went south, and uh, now the tables have turned. A new alliance. I love this stuff. I love when they did this. See, we could actually, uh, you know, they started to tell stories, and, they, and they'd and last for months, right? So, uh, you know, and this is, uh, we mentioned Hulkamania. Now, you know before, they would have never gone right to the next match. And, of course, it was on the network, and they had to keep things moving along. But uh, Hogan always posed. Hogan must pose, and he would do uh, it for quite a while. Now, but we're moving on here because we've got the championship and the fabulous one, Moolah. Is uh, going to do this backstage interview with uh, Mean Gene, and I. I this is a I, I love this. This is classic Gene Orkland, Okay, because he's you know listening, and, and then she's going to basically shut him down, not get a word in. Say so, look the, the the face there is just he's just like oh God, I got to put up with this. <laughs> Mula, you know, talks about how she's got this this proclamation, this official document that is going to keep uh, keep Cindy Lopper from being at ringside. This is official. This is from the bigwigs or higher-ups, whatever you want to call them, right? And uh this is going to keep her out uh out of the ring and out of uh, at ringside. She wants Cindy Lopper because she's a dangerous individual, right? <laughs> Looks like something from the medieval times. Like, should have been sealed in wax. Well, here's classic Gene. Look. He's trying to wrap this thing he's got he's not even gonna get a question in because he's got to get back to ringside for the uh, official introductions right but there's the look now the only thing missing was the eyebrow i wanted to see the eyebrow there you know that mm-hmm. as Mula makes her way out to the ring uh, after that uh, interview with gene and uh You know, this was a really interesting time for women in the uh, world of professional wrestling. Uh, uh, Rocket Wrestling had uh, really uh, given a big launch to uh, a good punch to women's wrestling with, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Rocket Wrestling with Cindy Lauper getting involved and Lou Albano. And of course, Wendy Richter, who was the darling. And she was a very different uh, type of women wrestler. She was actually attractive. <laughs> I mean, really, she was. She was an attractive woman. She was young. She was in great shape. And she was very popular. And uh, I think she would have made a tremendous uh, champion uh, if it would have lasted. As you know, we'll talk about it. But uh, Lopper here, Cindy Lopper. And that if you're wondering who that guy is on the uh, the left there, that's David Wolf, who was actually Cindy Lopper's uh, manager he's a music guy and I think the, you know they were actually that they were involved in uh, you know uh, a relationship so that's how he got to go along for the ride but uh, Lopper's talking about how there's no way she's not going to be at ringside there's no way this is going to happen so we go back to the ring here Moolah boy piece of work as a Gorilla would say um so that she's got this uh, the proclamation there in her hands. She just got the intro, and it, you know, considering she had that belt what twenty eight years, and she didn't like giving it up. So there was really the, uh, there was a you know shoot bad blood between her and Wendy Richter. They did not like each other, even though Mula had trained her. But uh, look at man, look how rough it is getting trying to get to the ring. That's security, man. Well, you know, like you got to isolate on some of this stuff. I mean, this is where you can really see what, what's going on. Just kind of like look like they're coming in, those security guards like throwing elbows. And But anyway, so, so uh, there was just, there was really bad blood. Wendy felt that, uh, that uh, you know, that Mula was really out to uh, hurt her career. And a lot of that stuff that uh, they, they had a, a ton of matches together. And uh Moolah was pretty damn stiff, according to Wendy. Uh they were all out brawls and as uh, this one will be no exception. This is great though, you know like the first she gives it to the referee, he looks at it like what the hell's this? And then well he's like, Oh, it looks official to me. So he gives it to Howard and then what look at Howard. So he's like, Oh, he's looking for an official? Yeah. Okay. I'm 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 gonna read this. This is an official document of uh somebody uh saying that uh Cindy Lauper is not going to be allowed at ringside. So, of course, that makes it official, right? She's got to go. The, that piece of paper with, with the uh, the uh, the proclamation on it, and you could see the lettering on it. It was probably, uh, it's, it was probably just... Well, I'm, it was probably words so that Howard could actually read it. But uh, Lopper, she just can't believe it. How can this be? Because we put it on a piece of paper, and yeah, that's what we're doing here. So she's gonna to have to go back to ringside as Mula pulls off this uh, devious move here to uh, clear Lopper from ringside so she's gonna go back to the ring and this is a f- tremendous time for a break you know they had to do these breaks in these in these uh, network shows and so they have her at rings uh, backstage right so she can watch the match but I get a kick out of the fact that monitor is about eight inches uh, wide. And I mean, those are the ones they had backstage. That's, you know, that you could watch all the cameras. You think they would have found something like a 20-inch TV or monitor or something she could watch the damn thing on. But no, it's like this little teeny monitor. And uh, this thing gets underway. Moolah using all her dirty tricks. As you know, Wendy is the champion and this is for the belt. So as I mentioned, they had, uh, you know, done a ton of matches together, which is kind of surprising because, you know, there were other, uh, professional wrestlers out there, but, uh, Moolah was still a force in the, in the world of, uh, professional wrestling and women's wrestling. And, you know, it's amazing to think, okay, you think of the timeline here, WrestleMania had been in March at the end of March, and this is in May. So that's a few months later. And, uh, by November, in November of uh, of that year, 1985, before it would even end up, so a few months down the road, uh, Wendy would be out of the WWF and never return. Because you may remember there was another screw job. And Wendy Richter talked about it all in, during that uh, podcast we did together. And wow. Uh, you know, hearing the details from her and uh, what happened is uh, pretty pretty interesting. And what you know, we didn't get the other side from Moolah. I never had that opportunity to talk to her, but um, you know, Wendy, according to her, you know, all she wanted was to be treated fairly. And uh, it was a it was definitely a man's world, and these women didn't make a, they made a fraction of what the men made. And she knew that she was the, she was a big draw, especially after WrestleMania and all the rocket wrestling and they were riding a, 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 a fast train that was still picking up speed. and she just wanted to be paid fairly. And uh, you know Vince didn't want to open those floodgates. and uh, that's what it came down to that they took the belt from her and she was so uh, upset. At the end of that match that uh, at Madison Square Garden, she says that she got her stuff and she, oh man, down goes Mula. And uh, she just got in a cab. She didn't even dress. She didn't shower anything. She said she just got her stuff, got in a cab and left and never to return. Would never return to the WWF or the WWE until she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. You can see a lot of these shots in here. I didn't uh, really point out that many, but uh, Mula was was she worked really stiff. You have to wonder, though. You know what? What I think Wendy would have been a huge star. It's it's just a darn shame that uh, here rolls her up in that small package, and she retains the WWF World Championship, Women's World Championship. But, uh, you know, it it was it didn't last that long. And as a matter of fact that, uh, you know, Lopper would do another uh, another appearance. I think she only had a few more appearances after this, and then she was gone. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, fizzled out. But uh, I really can't help but wonder uh, what heights and, and how far along she would have taken women in the world of... Uh, of WWF and, and, and professional wrestling because her success would have certainly uh, trickled down to a lot of other women that uh, were coming up. I give Wendy a lot of credit. It's just, uh, it's like I said, a damn shame that um, she didn't stick around, that they couldn't work something out. She said they did come to her. They, they tried, but it uh, didn't work out that way, and it's uh, it's too bad. All right, moving right along here. JYD is uh, coming up, and and uh, uh, I forgot to mention, maybe I did earlier, but uh, this was you know the whole theme of this of this, and I did because when Hulkster was had his mom or talked about his mom, he's dedicating his match, and this was near Mother's Day, of course, so they had this as the theme. And JYD is there with his mom, Bertha Ritter, and. Uh, yeah, you know, this must have been a, a really exciting evening for her uh, to go on uh, national television with her son. As Jean does the interview here. She wants him just to come home soon. That's, uh, <laughs> And we all know back then they didn't get home soon much. And uh, I don't know how big of a JYD fan you were. Um, If you were a fan of Mid-South, then you know the legend. And Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, talked about it a lot uh, when uh, we uh, were doing the podcast together uh, because he spent a lot of time at Mid-South. And he says that uh, Junkyard Dog, JYD, was a super super superstar. He was gigantic. He was the draw. He used to blow the house roof off in those arenas. And uh, people loved him. He would just uh, rock the place. And so it was interesting when he came to the WWF that, uh, you know, and they gave him a big push. And, of course, things happened that uh, led to his demise. But I was really surprised that he uh, didn't get over bigger then. I really, I I just because, uh, and I didn't know his history when he came on board, but uh, people talked about what a big star he was. And uh, it just never happened. You know, he was kind of a mid-carder uh, throughout, and uh, just amazing because the the popularity that he had at Mid South and uh, some of those other territories was just incredible. So here he's uh, he's uh, with the Duke of Dorchester, and <laughs> who was like a super jobber. And what a big opportunity for him. And this, you know, as I mentioned, that, you know, the push for JYD, I mean, look at the spot he got on this show. Uh, it was a prime spot, you know, as he starts to dismantle the Duke. Just, uh, you know, this is a squash match. He just beats the living crap out of him. This will go on for a few minutes here. But J.Y.D., you know, he didn't have a whole lot of tricks in that bag, but people loved it when uh, he was, like I said, down south. He didn't have to. Uh, He was just, uh, you know, really, really popular. And gets the, uh, I hope that wasn't a hairpiece, as he uh, (laughs) picks up the Duke by the hair. And like I said, big spot for him. Oh, man, don't you uh, dare raise your fist to my mother as he gets sent back into the ring, and now he's going to be in for an even worse ass beating. As this goes on, and uh, no sell on those punches. All well, it takes a little shot, and down goes Doherty. And this will be over soon. But but let you say we see a couple of headbutts first, right? Yeah, shot to the shoulders there and uh out he goes. Almost over. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he'll bring him back in here. And we're we're the show's getting close to being over here, folks. We gotta get uh Doherty back in there. We gotta get the Duke back in there. The Duke of Dorchester's about to be dumped. Big launch, center of the ring. And uh now it's time for the big finish. Head butt, okay. Should have never dissed his mother. Boom, another one. Down he goes. So many great stars from uh, Mid-South, you know. Uh, I mentioned Hacksaw, but, you know, Ted DiBiase came from down there, uh, got on the radar for the WWF down there, Jake the Snake Roberts, so many came through that territory. And the uh, WWF went poaching. As Bertha looks on, and here we go. We get ready for the, and picks him up like a sack of potatoes. You want this? You ready for this? You ready? And the Duke is boom, and the Duke is done. But I do remember JYD was really, really popular with the kids, uh, and and remember during that period of time, uh, they were really it was really uh, geared towards you know family entertainment and kids. And that's where a lot of their fans were from. You know, I talk to people now, and uh, they tell me you know they were six or seven years old then, and even younger, and they uh, followed the WWE. They caught on there and, and have been with them ever since. That is what you call uh, loyalty. And of course, one of the uh, the big spots always with JYD is that he would do, uh, do his dance. Now, um, prior to this, uh, he used to come out uh, to another one, Bites the Dust. Uh, but they played his new theme music for this, and uh, they did that throughout the night. As a matter of fact, during that uh, match with Bob Orton, uh, they played Real American for the first time, uh, then, which would become, of course, uh, his signature music. But they also played JYD's song here. And I think that uh, some of it had to do with the fact that when you had, when you uh, played music on, on network television, it was really, really expensive. So they probably took the opportunity so to uh, not have to pay the rights on that and introduce new music. All right, so this is the backstage party, uh, Cindy Lauper's Mother's Day party. So this is really odd. They line everybody up. And then Gene just works the line all the way down. So he starts with JYD, and we get to hear from Bertha once again, how happy she is. And then, of course, <laughs> like, I mean, this is just absurd. you got, you got know, Sheik, who calls uh, Gene, Gene mean, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, just completely incoherent. And then it gets even worse when he gets to Nikolai. <laughs> he's got a destination, though. He will get there. But uh, we're getting ready to wrap things up. And so Nikolai, he's going to uh, spit something out here. And then let there's there's Freddie Blassie. My, I, I love Freddie Blassie. You know that. And uh, he's, he's here, and uh, he introduces this lovely lady as his mom, his mother. So <laughs> Gene moves in, to, and Freddie's having none of it. And Lou Albano with, uh, of course, why not? A rhyme of Mother's Day rhyme. Okay. And America's favorite, and he would certainly become even more, Hulk Hogan. And there's his mom, Ruth Hogan, as they introduced her. It's amazing, though, you know, it's, to think that uh, Hulk was really, uh, you know, not that his fame wasn't huge at this point, but he was really just getting started. And it would last for a number of years that, before that, uh, that wave would crest. And Cindy Lauper with her mom. What's her mom's name? Katrine, I think it is. And then, of course, uh, Wendy Richter wants to come in. A little shout out for her mom. As we await the big spoiler. And there she is, Moola. Can't believe she wasn't invited. And folks, did you see that? There was cake. And what happens when there's cake? What do you what's coming? I think you know. All right. Time for the insults. (laughs) You can't talk to my mother like that. You know, of course, Will's just not happy the way the night went. I mean, she still doesn't have the strap. Okay. Okay. We gotta get in position here pretty soon. Cause her Oh my god. It's an outrage. Okay. Get in position and then off we go. <laughs> Excellent, Jean. Well done. That was a hard cake. Almost took her out. And of course, the food fight starts. Here we go. And back to ringside to wrap it all up. Or not ringside. Well look at they're close in the arena there. As uh, Jesse the body wraps it up here in the uh, pink, we would soon see many a boa in the years to come. Look at Vince. Looks like Bob Backlund. He's got the Bob Backlund haircut. This is weird too. They, they kind of wrap it up and they go to commercial and then they come back from commercial to say goodbye again. <laughs> Look at those clefts. Look at those cleft chins. There's the, the two of the best the biz. And then we got the big effects. See, this is when slow motion was really... Uh, you see Dick Ebersol's name there. You know, and watching these uh, these credits, a lot of people I remember. A lot of people. John Servideo, Nelson Swegler, Kerwin Silfies is in there. He's still directing for the WWE. And a lot of years. A lot of people stayed with the company. And there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed uh, that watch along, along with me. Uh, I certainly did. It was fun to uh, look back and uh, see all that happened at that time. And it was the very, very, very first Saturday Night's main event that May 11th, 1985 on NBC. And, uh, you know, there would uh, be—it would run for years. Uh, It would, you know, run sporadically. It would uh, appear when they had Saturday Night Live on hiatus. And it would, uh, you know, it would uh, air up like that until 1991— and then it would air on Fox a couple of times in '92 before it came to an end. And then, of course, we'd see it come back. I think what in 2006, and then I think what they had a couple. I think about five episodes before it was ended. It ended for good in 2008. But uh, at the time, it was it was really really exciting. It was fun to be a part of. Um, I didn't appear on that many episodes, but when they, I was just so happy that Dick Ebersol uh, included in, me in that, um, and and I was able to do uh, because you know, do those shows because it was huge then. I mean, it was uh, airing during the same time that Saturday Night Live did, and it, we were on the network, and uh, it was fun. It moved along really quickly. It was great a great uh, show for people to. Uh, you know, watch because, you know, you you saw star versus star. It wasn't like superstars and challenge where, you know, they just trotted the superstars out, but they wouldn't rarely ever uh, really have an encounter with another superstar. They would just bring in people to squash and then they would, uh, you know, show off the talent and, and plug the local event. Well, this they had to deliver, you know. They had to uh, show some great matchups, which they did over the years. You can look at the lineup of uh, different matches that they had during that time, and, and and it and it did very well with the ratings. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have stayed on as long as it did, uh, of course, when it started to dip, in uh, you know ninety one. Uh, that you know it's that was a business decision, but it was great for all that period of time from eighty five to nineteen ninety one, and uh, you know. Uh, all the the big stars at the time and it really really uh, helped promote the wwF at the time so uh, i hope you really enjoyed uh, these this this uh, edition and uh, if you like it we're going to put it up uh, we're going to put it out there as a as an episode on uh, mondays as i uh, mentioned we're going to put it out there on mondays but we'll see how it goes i mean if you guys really enjoy it you like what you're uh what you're seeing and listening to then uh, i'll keep doing them so we, uh, we'll, do, we'll do more. And as I, I said at the top of this, we're going to be uh, doing shows. We're, we're going to do Raws. We're going to do a Tuesday Night Titans, uh, Primetime uh, Wrestling. And, uh, and we'll also do Superstars. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. But like I said, it's up to you. It's up to you guys. If you enjoy, uh, if you enjoy it, then we will bring more back. I hope you will continue listening. And until next time, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.